So if you walked in a little bit late, you're wondering what in the world is going on this morning. Things are a little bit different. Things are a little bit out of order. Um, this is Fifth Sunday Family Worship. Uh, we are excited about what God is, is doing in amongst our families. I mean, you can look around our church uh, as soon as we say children are dismissed, which is not today. Um, this place clears out, right? Um, which is really, really neat to see. And, uh, and so today we're all in here together. And by the way, um, we know that uh, you may have some littles that um, are, are looking for something to do. We do have some color pages back there with some crayons if they want to, uh, to, to use those. Um, and uh, we're going to have some uh, interactive type stuff today. I want to begin by telling you a familiar story. You are going to recognize the story if you've picked up the color sheets you already know by now, right? This is a story that if you spend any time in church at all, or even if you haven't, it's a story that, that really transcends uh, uh, culture. Um, you will no doubt know this, but it, here's what I want you to know. It's not just a story. This is a historical account of an epic battle, a battle that took place a long, long time ago. In fact, it took place hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. You know, anything about the geography over there, you'll know uh, that this uh, battle that's going to take place takes place just outside of Bethlehem. Of course, you all know Bethlehem's where Christ was born. So this battle was between the Philistine army and against the Israelite army, the, the army of God. They, they had gathered together, but these two armies, they are not the main characters in this story today. Of course, you know the main, the main characters, right? I only have to say one. You can tell me the other. It's David and? Goliath. It's Goliath, right? I mean, this historical account, and by the way, if you have your Bibles with you, it's going to be found in 1 Samuel 17. I invite you to, to open up your Bibles. If you don't have them, you can follow on the, on the screen. But initially, we are going to be introduced to one of the main characters, and his name is Goliath. I mean, just saying Goliath... It's just something about it, right? He sounds like a big dude. I mean, it, it, it kind of strikes fear inside of you. Goliath. And I can remember when I was a little kid, and I would hear the story, I would get this mental image, and I think we all do this, right? When we hear a story, we create this mental image of what it might have looked like, and what David and Goliath might have looked like. And I can remember as a kid, my vision was like the giant from like Jack and the Beanstalk. Okay, like this giant was like, he's got his head in the clouds, and he's so big, and then David is like this little hobbit-type size character, okay? That's just kind of, maybe it's my elementary-sized brain, I don't know. But it, even to this day, that's kind of what, what I was thinking. But here's what I found out uh, about that kind of vision, is it, it, it almostly, it's almost like it's made up, right? It's almost like it's, it's fantasy. But what we have is we have God's Word, which we know to be true. So look at verses Four through seven. We'll find out a little bit about Goliath. Goliath is a, a champion who was from Gath. And he came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor, a bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a, a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. And he had a shield bearer that went ahead of him. Okay, so some of these measurements don't really mean a whole lot. Uh, kids, who's, who's good at math that can help me out? You guys can do some math in your head? Okay, so we've we got to do some math here. Um, six cubits. Okay, a, a cubit 
is about 18 inches, a little bit more. So what do we have to do to solve that? Multiply it by six. Anybody got that or got an iPhone that can help us out with that? Anybody? 108. Yes, sir. 108. Okay. So how are we going to figure out, like, like feet-wise, how, how, how big is he? What are we going to do? Well, we got to divide, right? There's 12 inches in a foot. And, and so, so what, what do you end up getting? What number? Yeah, you get the number nine. Okay? Now, what this means is that Goliath, he wasn't head in the clouds kind of guy. He wasn't a fantasy giant. He was just really big. He was over nine feet. See, see the, the, it was kind of uh, a cubit was like kind of 18 inches, a little bit more. Then it said a span. So, I mean, he's probably like nine, nine. So I wonder what that looks like. Some of you have been dying to know since you walked in. What in the world is wrong with the roof? So, I can't take credit for what you're about to see. Rob, uh, let me borrow this. And I think you got it from your son-in-law, correct? Is that right? Um, and so, I, I want you to see, and, and I, this worked yesterday. I don't know if it's going to work, all right? Uh, nobody's videoing, right? All right, so, this, for those of you listening online, I'm climbing the ladder, all right? All right, so this is what Goliath uh, looked like. Now, now, just look at the perspective. Me to him. Wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry, I was posing for the camera back there. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> all right, so that went all right. So look how big he is. I mean, that's just... That's awesome, Rob. Thank you for letting me use that. The, the kids are, uh, on Wednesday uh, at Awana saw that. I mean, he's nine feet tall. So... The armor, just the armor that he had to carry weighed 125 pounds. Some of you kids aren't even 100 pounds. So picture it. It's like Goliath is walking to battle with a couple of kids on his back. Just, I mean, 125 pounds. His iron, uh, the tip of his iron spear was 15 pounds. I mean, this dude is gigantic. So this is it's Goliath. Pretty big, right? Well, let's, let's talk about the good guy in this story. We know him as David, right? And what do we know about David? He was from a big family. And a total of, of eight kids were in his family. How many of you have older brothers or sisters or younger brothers or sisters in here? Okay, everybody. Okay. How many of you have more than four siblings? Keep your hands raised. Five? Six? Okay, okay. Seven? Eight? All right, I'm going to stop there. You, you all win, right? So, eight kids, okay? And what do we know about David is David was the youngest. Do we have any youngest in the family here? Any youngest? Okay. What do we all think? Okay, I'm saying think because I'm the youngest in my family. What do we think about the youngest child? The baby. The baby. And also their little... Spoiled. Not in my family, alright? I'm the youngest. I know, I know. My, my parents will be listening to this later on, and mom and dad, you know I'm the favorite. So, um, we'll just put it out there on record. You, you, you think about the youngest, I mean, they're, they're, they're the baby, they don't have a whole lot of courage. I mean, I was the most fearful little kid growing up. But, we know about David, he wasn't just the youngest. 
And he was a shepherd. And pretty stinking good shepherd. What, what's a shepherd, kids? You know what a shepherd do? Okay, yeah, sheep, right? I heard sheep. He was really good at it. He also was musically talented. Who plays an instrument in here? Raise your hand, hold back, row. Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, he played the harp, and he was pretty good at it. I mean, that's a well-rounded individual. But here's what we, it seems like we don't see in David. We don't seem to see any fear at all. It's like he's not scared of anything. In fact, he recounts in verse 34 that there were these animals, these, these uh, lions and bears that, 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 that came up and they, they wanted to take his sheep. And they came in. They didn't come to attack him. They came to take his sheep. And so they would take one and start running away. And it's not like David's like, oh, I can, you know, I can do without one. I'll let him go. No, David runs after him. He takes him on and, 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 and he gets these sheep. He attacks them. I mean, this guy had great courage and very little fear. We also see this because all of a sudden David shows up on the battlefield. Look at verse 26. He basically says, hey, who's this guy? Who is this guy that is defying the armies of God? Who is he? David says, okay, you know what? If no one's willing to fight this guy, I'll fight him. They try to talk him out of it. David, not him. It's not a good idea. I mean, just look, kind of look at yourself. I'm imagining it's probably shorter. They, they, they don't even want him to entertain it, but David says, you know what? I'm going to. So you have David, you have Goliath. You have good versus evil, the hero versus the villain. And here's how it all played out. I know you guys know the story. We're going to go over it very quickly. First Samuel 17, verses 8 through 10. Goliath, he's starting to shout at them. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. This day, this day, I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let's fight each other. He's basically like, come on. And that's how they, that's how they figured things out. Man, this was a, uh, the ancient Greeks fought this way. They called Goliath a champion. He was their champion. He would go out and save a lot of lives this way. He would go out, another guy would come, and they would fight. Whoever won, their side won. Of course, how did the nation of Israel react? How did the armies react? Yeah, we're looking at verse 11. Terrified. Absolutely terrified. And I've got to be honest, if I'm standing in front of this dude... Pretty scared. I'm, I'm, I'm probably pretty terrified. David witnesses this scene play out. And he is not about to let this happen. And so he says, you know, okay, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm going to do, go fight this guy. Goliath, <laughs> here's what he says in reaction to that. Verses 43 through 44. Am I a dog? Are you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods and said, Come here, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. I mean, you can imagine this guy just screaming this, ready to, to take David and rip him apart. Because you know what he knew? He knew that David wasn't a warrior. I mean, he's not even dressed like one. He has no armor. They tried to give him some, but David said, Look, I've not tried that out. He's a smart guy. He says, No, you know what? I haven't tested it. Goliath mocks him. Here's how David replies, verses 45 through 46. All right, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of, uh, of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. 
The Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. Goliath isn't the only one who can talk tough. The odds were stacked against David. They really were. And then, and then it seemed that way in the eyes of everyone around him. Look, look man, there's no way you can win. This is, this is not a good choice. Don't go do it. Kids, how did this story end? What, what, what did David go and get? He had to pick up some what? Some stones. He had a, had a little sling. Yeah, he went, rocks? Yeah, you're right. And I heard you got rocks today in Sunday school too, right? So, but we're not going to test that theory of throwing them. We'll just, that can really backfire. It's not going to work out well. He had stones. He hits Goliath in the head. We, we know the end of the story that Goliath gets defeated. And, and we can stop here, right? And you're like, oh yeah, no, we can stop here. It's, it's, yeah, I'm good. We can go, go to lunch. There's more to the story. Look, it's such a familiar story, right? That you and I could almost say it. By heart, It's nice to have some visuals. It's nice to, to hear it. But this piece of history is beloved by adults and children alike. I'm not sure if you've ever heard a sermon preached on David and Goliath. I'm not sure that I've necessarily heard a sermon about it. But probably they're going to relate it to something about you and facing the giants in your life and slaying the giants in your life, defeating the, the, the giant called sin. And, 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 and that totally makes sense. Because there's no doubt in my mind and your mind as a believer, right? And as a follower of Jesus Christ, that our God can conquer those things that are giants in your life. We know that. We know as believers, He overcame sin and death and He can certainly overcome whatever is in your path. But I believe there is something greater here. I believe there's something that is sorely missed most of the time. And parents, if you've read down through this, maybe you picked it up. Did you find that when you first became a parent, suddenly you were more concerned about little things than you were before you were a parent? Some of you ended up saying things that your parents said and you said, well, I'll never, I'll never say that to my kids. Maybe as your little one is, is crawling across the floor, maybe headed to a little outlet. No, 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 you, you want to go this way? Have any of you done this while you're driving in the car, guys? Don't make me pull this car over, right? And you're reaching back for something, anything that you can grab. Have you ever used this one? This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Yeah, come on. You utter it and you're like, why am I saying this? My dad said this to me. If you are a careful parent, and most parents are, she should be. Okay, if you're a careful parent, you've got to be asking yourself this question. What in the world is a little boy doing on the battlefield? I mean, this is, this is an obvious question. Verse 33, we are told that this David was just a youth. He was a boy. Most commentators believe this, that he was about 12 years old. We got any 12-year-olds in here? 12-year-olds, raise your hand. A few of you? Okay. So, 12? You're not Come on. Okay, so we got a 12-year-old back there. My daughter's 12 years Anyone else that can help us tomorrow morning fight our battles? Okay, so you three, see me afterwards. I've got some issues tomorrow that I want you to handle. Okay, I've got some bullies in my life. Are you guys okay with that? 
No, no. I mean, look, I'm not going to take Alyssa, who's 12 years old, by the way, going to be 13. Okay, let's not go there. She's 12 years old. I'm not going to tell her to go out to fight my metaphorical battles, let alone go out and face this dude. So what in the world was he doing there in the first place? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to go and we're going to investigate. Look back to verses 17 through 18. We're going to introduce to David's dad. David's dad is Jesse. Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain, these ten loaves of bread for your brothers, and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. Look, David wasn't even supposed to be part of this fight. He wasn't. He was not a man. He was a boy. He was just a baby. The only reason that he was even there is because he was a delivery boy. He was taking some food to his brothers, trying to see how they were doing on the back. Do you understand how incredible our God is that he could use this? Use this little boy, someone who wasn't even supposed to be in that location anyway in the first place. But here's what we miss about David. Just before all this happened, did you know the chapter before that David was anointed to be king? The next king? David could have had a real bad attitude. Okay, I'm going to ask the children. First, kids, you ever had a bad attitude at home? They're like, parents, have your kids ever had a bad attitude at home? I mean, yeah. Look, you can have a bad attitude about different things. David was anointed to be the next king. He could have said to his dad, you know, I'm going to be king. Or, dad, you, you know how good I am at being a shepherd. I'm a little bit too important to go and to take some bread and some cheese to the battlefield. You want me to be a delivery boy to my brothers, who, by the way, he knows they're not going to be happy to see him. I mean, and they make it very clear. David, what are you doing here? You sick little boy, get out of here, right? Don't get lost in this, though. Don't get lost in the isolation of this account, this story. As amazing as this event is, right? It's important that we take a step back and we look at the entire thing. See, David wasn't just being a delivery boy. David wasn't just a shepherd. He wasn't just a boy who defeated Goliath. Here's what we know about David. is He was a man or a boy of purpose. See, God had a purpose for the life of David. And it wasn't just about defeating the giant, although that is part of it. And it's worth noting. See, David ends up going from just a delivery boy. Catch this. He's a delivery boy, 12 years old. He ends up becoming perhaps the greatest king that Israel will ever know. This is from the simple act of obedience, children. Obedience, right? And adults, obedience. Simple act of obedience that catapulted David to literal rock star status. He, they would see him come and maybe scream in his name. Saul, the, the, the actual king that time. You know, Saul has killed his thousands. David, he's killed 10,000. He's the man. People would shout his name in celebration. David would go on and learn to, to, to be dependent on God through all these life-changing situations. Did you know that David went on to write 70 psalms? David does end up becoming the king. He rescues the Ark of the Covenant. He defeats the Philistines. He makes preparations for the temple to be built. And get this, David is now a major member of the historical bloodline of Jesus Christ. I mean, Scripture is amazing. Do you realize none of that would have happened if he was not faithful in the very small things? I want you to understand something. That greater faithfulness can lead to greater 
usefulness. Let me repeat that. Greater faithfulness can lead to greater usefulness. Look, young people this morning, don't fall into the trap of thinking that there is something so big out there that you cannot accomplish it through the power of God. Don't believe it. Mom and dad, adults, don't think that there is something so small that God cannot use for His glory. Here's what David realized at a very early age. Is he realized that he was to live a life of purpose. David had a purpose for being at the battlefield that day. And it had nothing to do with the lunch that he was carrying. It had to do with what he tells Goliath. Let's get back into the scripture. Verse 46. We went over the front half of this. But let's look at the back half. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down. I'll cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of uh, of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And get this. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. You can understand. David didn't go out there and be like, oh, I'm going to feed you to the carcass. How about that? And then everybody's going to be screaming my name. Everybody's going to look at me. No, he says, "Uh, this is going to happen. This is going to take place for one reason. So that God will get the glory. So that everybody knows there's a God in Israel. David understood the purpose of his life was to point others to God. He was to, in all things, bring glory to God. See, that was his purpose. Was David perfect? No. If you've ever read scripture, you know it's far from the contrary. You do not have to be perfect to live a life of purpose. We've got to define this purpose first. What does purpose mean? It means the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. You realize you were created for a purpose. You exist, believer, those of us who put our faith and our trust in Christ, you exist for a purpose. It talks about divine will. God speaks about purpose all throughout His Word. Listen to this, Proverbs 16.4. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose. That's including you. Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Our God is sovereign. You know this one, Romans 8.28. God works all things for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His what? His purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And you may be thinking, man, you're just simplifying the the story of David and Goliath. There's got to be something different. You know what? Acts 13, 36 tells me this. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep and was buried. David had a purpose. And at least in this instance, he lived like it. He made his decisions based on it. The decisions uh, of faithfulness and the small things led him to be used for greater things. He understood his purpose in life was to bring God glory. And so I ask you, what's your purpose? Are we any different than the little boy that went up against this really big dude? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, no, we're no different. It says this, whatever you do, do all To the glory of God. Again, it sounds too simplistic, doesn't it? I mean, really, is that all God wants for me? Is for me to bring Him glory? Look, yes, my friend, this is what God has wanted since the beginning of time. And yet, what happens? We get in the way. Our pride and our ego, our self-reliance, our our desire for more, our desire for pleasure, our selfishness, it all gets in the way from what we were created to do. And that is to bring glory to God. To God. So that's what we need to do as we walk out of these doors in just a few minutes. 
is we need to walk out of here young and old. This message, look, is, is timeless and it's ageless and it's something that we desperately need to be reminded each day that we are, should be living a life full of purpose. So on our way out, in just a few minutes, I'm wrapping up. On your way out in the lobby, there is a, a small gift for each one of you that I would love for you to take. It's these bracelets. And, and I couldn't wait till today, so I've been wearing mine all week. Just so excited about this uh, possibility here. My, my hope is that you take one. It says PURPOSE on it, in all capital letters. just says PURPOSE. My hope is that perhaps it can serve as a reminder for you throughout your day. When maybe your first reaction is to do something selfish or something out of anger or fear or whatever it may be. Perhaps you'll look down at your list and you can see that word purpose and you're reminded. And Because I, I, I know what it's like. You, you may be saying, no, 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 I, I got it. You said purpose about 800 times this morning. We got it. Now let us go eat dinner. Okay. I also understand lunch. Depends on what part of the country you're in, I guess. I know what happens when you leave these doors. You, you understand, yes, I'm supposed to live a life of purpose. My purpose is to glorify God. Okay, walk out of these doors. And then what happens? Life. Life happens. Some of you are going to go out and get in your cars and get on 50. And someone's going to cut you off. And you're going to be like, no. Whoa, yeah, okay. Okay, yep. I'm made with a purpose. You may be going to lunch. That waitress may spill stuff all over you. And as you sit there drenched in whatever it is that you ordered... You might want to say something to ruin this girl's day or gentleman's day. Mm. Made with a purpose. You may wake up tomorrow morning and you feel like absolute dirt. You don't want to get up. and You, just, you, you don't even want to get out of bed. Maybe remember that we were made with a purpose. Students, tomorrow morning. You may walk into your homeroom class or to school and you may see that one person that's been making fun of you and annoying you and you're like, you're made with a purpose. Your purpose in all things is to glorify God. Maybe you walk into the lunchroom and you see someone sitting all by themselves. I wonder if it would be honoring and glorifying to God for you to go over there and befriend them. Maybe one day you'll get news. Maybe someone's been in a car accident. Maybe you just get this some devastating news, whatever it may be. Someone's passed away. Something that just brings you to your knees and you have to remember. God has a purpose. And it doesn't even have to be something negative. Yesterday, um, Laura and James, myself and Heidi, we went to, to lunch and the hostess there uh, recognized us as we come in kind of often. And she recognized us. We couldn't remember her name for the life of us. And she started sharing with us, and we started interacting. And she shared with us something that had happened to one of the, our favorite waiters. Um, and, and she said, you know, can you, can you, can you pray for her? And Laura would jump right up and say, yeah, of course we'll pray for her. You know, we're, we're, we're believers. This is, this is one of our pastors. The look on her face was like, really? I mean, she goes to church. The, that, that conversation went and she started sharing us. Her name was Alexander. Her brother started sharing to us about his, her brother Angel, who, 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 who had made some poor decisions, who had gotten hurt. And said, Can you pray for him? 
She says, it all makes sense. Of course you guys are Christians. Look at the way, look at the way you act. Look at the interaction. Look, you don't know where you're going to be when you figure out that you have a purpose in your life. When you, you just, you just don't know. So my challenge is this. Pick up a bracelet on your way out. Put it on. Maybe it can help you. You know, when you have it on, and I found this this week, you can't help but see it unless you turn it the other way. But if it's upright, you can't help but see it. Remind you. You may say, okay, that's it's a little corny. I'm not wearing a bracelet, dude. Guess what? And even if you take it off, it changes nothing. It does not change the fact that you, believer, follower of Christ, you have a purpose in your life, and that is to bring honor and glory to God. There's two baskets out there. There's a youth basket, an adult basket. You can figure that out. Parents, help your kids with that. Take one. Put it on, because here's what I know. Okay, I'm going to end with this. Everybody, look, look at me. If God can use a small little boy taking lunch to a battlefield that he wasn't even supposed to be at, he can use you wherever you are and right where you are. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have saved us for a purpose. Lord, we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. Lord, you've designed us in such a way that it reflects who you are, reflects your glory. And so many times we can get in the way of that process. We make decisions that are selfish or, or out of anger or whatever it may be, Lord. Lord, may we walk out of these doors and remember this simple fact. And it's simple. That we are made with a purpose. And that purpose is to bring you honor and glory in every single thing. So we thank you for the challenge today. I thank you so much for this body of believers and, and all these young kids who have been in here and who have heard this message and have listened so well. Lord, young and old alike, we need this. We need this reminder. May we live in light of eternity and live to bring you glory. We ask you for, to bless us as we leave here. In your son's precious name. Amen.